Let's turn, please, this morning for our Bible reading to the book of Hebrews and the 11th chapter. The 11th chapter of the book of Hebrews, often referred to as Faith's Hall of Fame. And just a short reading this morning, the first six verses of Hebrews chapter 11. Our text is in verse number 6 which is our church motto text for 2024. Hebrews 11, verse number 1. Now faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. For by it the elders obtained a good report, Through faith we understand that the worlds were framed by the Word of God, so that things which are seen were not made of things which do appear. By faith Abel offered unto God a more excellent sacrifice than Cain, by which he obtained witness that he was righteous. God testifying of his gifts, and by it he being dead yet speaketh. By faith Enoch was translated that he should not see death, and was not found because God had translated him. For before his translation he had this testimony, that he pleased God. But without faith it is impossible to please him. For he that cometh to God must believe that he is, and that he is a rewarder of them that diligently seek him. We know today that God will bless the reading of his inspired and infallible and perfect word. Verse number six is our text this morning. Want to speak for a little while upon the subject of believing prayer, believing prayer or faith as it relates to prayer. But without faith, it is impossible to please him, that is, to please God. For he that cometh to God must believe that he or God is, and that he is a rewarder of them that diligently seek Him. What a wonderful text of God's precious Word. Let's pray together and invite the Lord to speak into our hearts and lives today. Let's pray. Loving God and everlasting Father, we praise and thank Thee for Thy precious Word. And we thank Thee, Lord, for texts of Scripture like the one that we are considering this morning that assure us that our God is good and kind and benevolent and invites us to come to his feet and to seek his face in prayer. And we thank thee that thou art a prayer-answering God. And loving God, we pray that even this morning and in this year that lies before us, that thou wilt write this word upon our hearts. And Lord, may we not only have it committed to our memories, but may we prove the reality of it in our lives day by day. Teach us, O God, to pray. And Lord, we ask, O God, that we might see mighty 
answers to our prayers in the year that lies ahead. Grant, O God, today that thou will give us faith as we sit around the open Word of God. Faith cometh by hearing, and hearing by the Word of God. So, Lord, we pray that thou wilt write thy Word upon our hearts. Help us to step out and to trust God and to obey thee that we might really prove in a lost day and generation that our God reigns. So, Father, we pray that even now as we seek thy face, that thou wilt reward us and glorify thy Son. For it's in his name that we pray, asking for the help and the infilling of the Holy Spirit of God. Hear and answer prayer. We ask it with thanksgiving and assurance in the name of Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. Over the last year and a Monday night in our weekly prayer meetings and Bible studies, we've been considering some aspects of approaching God's throne in prayer. And that is something that God invites every child of God to do. The Bible says in Hebrews chapter 4 that we are to come boldly before the throne of grace, that we may obtain mercy and find grace to help in time of need. And we need to recognize that prayer is not only a responsibility, but much, much more than that, prayer is a wonderful privilege and blessing in the life of a Christian and in the life of a church. And I believe that we need to avail ourselves of the great privileges that our Savior has purchased for us upon the cross. And one of the greatest privileges is the privilege of coming before God, addressing Almighty God as our Father, worshiping Him and thanking Him and praising Him in the place of prayer, but also seeking His face and praying that the Lord will bless us and bless His church collectively. And as we have been thinking about various aspects of approaching God's throne, we've thought about over 30 various aspects of that reverence and praise and thankfulness, unity, humility, honesty, mode of obedience, and many, many more. But here in Hebrews chapter 11, verse number 6, we have a tremendous text that speaks about prayer, and it relates prayer to faith. Without faith, it is impossible to please Him. For he that cometh to God must believe that He is, and that He is a rewarder of them that diligently seek Him. I have chosen this as our motto text for our church for 2024. I believe that as Christians we can so easily get discouraged. We can so easily get disappointed. So often our faith is attacked and we can almost give ourselves over to a spirit of defeatism or become fatalistic and throw up our hands and say, you know, whatever will be, will be. And there's very little that we can do to change anything. And we can, we can almost be deflated and despondent and defeated as we set out in another new year. Sometimes our labor seems to be in vain. Sometimes our service is barren and dry. And sometimes as we look at the world around us and we think about our society and maybe even our homes and our families and our churches, we sometimes look at things as if it's all absolutely hopeless. Maybe you've been there. Maybe that's where you are presently. I think we've all been tempted to feel that there's maybe not much future 
for the church of Jesus Christ, and maybe God isn't going to answer our prayers at all. Over the last year, I was speaking to various individuals. Remember one night especially, speaking at a meeting, and whenever the meeting was over, people didn't leave in a hurry, and they were sitting around the church, and I was speaking to two young mothers around about my age or just a little bit older, so, so discouraged, and almost despairing that their families were lost, and and that's just how it was going to play out. And I've spoken to many parents that seem to have that same mentality. Our children are lost, and they're no longer in the church, and they're far from God, and, and it seems that God has not and will not and is not answering my prayers. Do you ever feel like that as a Christian? That it doesn't seem to matter how much you pray, God isn't answering. I was walking the dog one night towards the end of last year, and I could take you to the very spot. And sometimes if you're out walking and you're on your own, you begin to pray and just talk to the Lord. And I was praying about the church and about the work of God and about the land and about family and home and all of these things, and almost felt that, that prayers were not being answered. And immediately, I could take you to the very spot, this text of Scripture came to my mind. Without faith, it is impossible to please him. For he that cometh to God must believe, first of all, that God is, that God exists. And then secondly, as we come to God, we must believe that he rewards those who diligently seek him. And it was a rebuke to my own heart. And I find myself asking God for forgiveness, for praying, and for asking, but for not really waiting and for not really trusting. Sometimes we have the idea that prayer is simply asking God for things. But prayer, real prayer, is also trusting God and exercising faith and bringing God's promises back to Him and saying, Now, Lord, You have said, and I'm asking, and I'm not perfect, and I fall short of the mark, and my prayers aren't perfect either. But Lord, I am trusting you to answer prayer. I'm trusting you to bestow the blessings that you have promised in your word. And I find myself apologizing for my own personal unbelief whenever it comes to prayer. And I want just to take this text this morning, a familiar verse, and divide it into three distinct parts. First of all, we have in this text the indispensability of faith. Now, I'm going to get in trouble when I go home for using a big word. Some young people like to take notes in church, and sometimes they struggle to spell some of the words, and I struggle to spell them as well, and sometimes we maybe don't know what these words mean. The indispensability of faith. So, for the sake of our young people, and maybe older ones as well, indispensability, I-N-D, I-S-P-E-N-S-A-B-I-L-I-T-Y. Indispensability. It means vital, critical. You can do without many things, but certain things are indispensable. Human beings can live without certain things, but we cannot live without oxygen. Oxygen is vital. It's indispensable. And so it is with faith. Faith is indispensable. It's vital. There are many things that we can serve the Lord without. 
There are many things we can pray without. There are many things we can please the Lord without. But we cannot serve the Lord. We cannot pray. And we cannot even please the Lord unless we have faith. Faith is indispensable. Whenever the Lord went to his hometown of Nazareth in Matthew 3, or Matthew 13 rather, verse 58 says, He did not many mighty works there because of their unbelief. Unbelief was the thing that hindered the Lord from working. Faith is indispensable. Then in Matthew chapter 17, after the disciples come down from the Mount of Transfiguration, they meet a young man possessed with a demonic spirit, and they pray and they ask God to deliver this young man, but nothing happens. And whenever the Lord sets the young man free, the disciples ask a question, how could we not cast him out? And the Lord simply says, because of your unbelief. He didn't say, well, your doctrine wasn't just right. He didn't say your dress code wasn't just right. He didn't say, because you are not perfect yet, or there's some little sin in your life. He simply says, you could not cast them out because of unbelief. Therefore, faith is indispensable. And as we think about the indispensability of faith, you'll notice here in our text, faith's requirement. Look at what it says, without faith. It is impossible to please Him. Now, we can please the Lord today without many things. You can please the Lord without being wealthy. You can please the Lord without being healthy. You can please the Lord without being handsome. You can please the Lord without being intelligent. You can please the Lord without having a great education. You can please the Lord without being gifted or without being talented. You can please the Lord without being popular. You can please the Lord without being successful. But you cannot please the Lord without faith. Without faith, it is impossible to please Him. Faith, therefore, is imperative. It's vital, faith's requirement. Our great purpose in life is simply to please him. The previous verse speaks about a man called Enoch. And if you study Enoch in your Bible, whether it's in Genesis, Hebrews, or Jude, really the only thing that we learn about Enoch is that he walked with God, he pleased God, and then one day the Lord translated him and took him bodily up into heaven. We don't learn much about Enoch other than the fact that Enoch pleased God. God. And that is our primary purpose in life, to glorify God and to uplift Christ and to please God. First Thessalonians chapter 2 and verse number 4, Paul says, as we were allowed of God to be put in trust with the gospel, even so we speak, not as pleasing men, but God. He wants to please God. 1 Thessalonians chapter 4 and verse number 1, Furthermore then we beseech you, brethren, and exhort you by the Lord Jesus, that as ye have received of us, how ye ought to walk and please God, so ye would abound more and more. And faith is something that pleases God. God delights whenever he looks at his children and sees there's an individual who believes me 
There is someone who takes me at my word, who believes what I have said and is willing to trust even in me. It seems that there's nothing that pleases God more than faith. This is what our text this morning seems to say. God is pleased with us more whenever we simply believe Him and trust Him than with anything else that we could render unto our God. Are we living to please God, even whenever it means saying no to self and no to sin? Is it our purpose today as Christian people to please Him who so loved us that He gave Himself for us upon the cross? Faith's requirement. Faith's responsibility. We have a responsibility, I believe, today to simply believe God. He that cometh to God, the text says, must believe that He is, and that He is a rewarder of them that diligently seek Him. Now, we hear a lot in our day and generation about faith. Talk about people of faith, or people of different faiths. And then in Christian circles, we often say, well, so-and-so, they're a person of faith. They have faith. And so many people say, well, I have faith. And it really needs to be asked, what is faith? And for some, faith is just blind optimism, hoping that things will work out, even if we're not sure whether they will or not. For others, faith is described as a leap in the dark, Stepping out into the unknown, closing your eyes, if you like, and just stepping out and having faith that you're embarking in the right course of action. And then for others, faith is a sort of a, a hope-so feeling. And sometimes we feel that there's faith there. And we, yeah, we, I, I feel that I can be optimistic and feel that I can face the future with assurance. And then for others, faith is an ethereal thing, a, a kind of an intuition or a sixth sense. And a feeling in your belly that this is the right way to go. I just feel that this is the right thing and I'm, I'm acting now in faith. But dear friends, Bible faith is not some spurious thing. Bible faith is simply taking Almighty God at His Word. Some of the little children's choruses have a wonderful way of defining theology in a wonderful way. And there's a little chorus and it says... Faith is just believing what God says He will do. And that's a good definition of Bible faith. Faith is just believing what God says He will do. And if you study Faith's Hall of Fame, Hebrews chapter 11, you will discover that every individual who acted in faith did so in response to the Word of God. Something that God said, I want you to do this, and they knew that's God's voice, that's God's word. I'm going to trust God and obey God and act in faith. Faith's requirement. Biblical faith is accepting, resting in, and acting upon what the word of God simply says. Faith cometh by hearing, Romans 10, 17, and hearing by the word of God. If our faith today is small, and I'm sure we have to acknowledge, and I certainly do, that my faith is small. And if we struggle today at times with doubts or unbelief, 
then we need to get into and under the Word of God in 2014. Maybe it's time that you started reading your Bible again every day, systematically, personally. And if you've got a husband or a wife or your children are still at home with you, why not take the Word of God and not only read it for yourself, but read it with your family? And make sure you're in the Word and as much as possible under the Word as well. The indispensability of faith. The second thing that I want you to consider from our motto text is the integrity of faith. Now, the word integrity, we could just say it really means honesty or the openness of faith or the authenticity or the genuineness of faith. Whenever you talk about a person being a person of integrity, you really mean that that person is upright. That person is transparent to the same thing publicly that they are privately and vice versa. They're genuine, they're sincere, and true faith is genuine. It makes itself known. True faith proves itself. I think as we consider the integrity of faith, you'll notice in our text the activity of faith. Bible faith is active. Bible faith is a response to the Word of God. Bible faith is not a response to our past experiences. Do you ever, do you ever weigh up your faith on past experiences and you look back and say, well, this is my experience in life. This is what I have experienced. These are my doubts. These are my fears. These are my disappointments. And you build your faith on experience. And then your faith is very small. And you say, well, I've prayed before, but God didn't answer in the way that I expected. Or I, I, I have been through this and I struggled and therefore my faith is, is very small. But, but faith acts not upon our feelings or our experiences, but faith ought to act upon the Word of God. And, and our text speaks about the activity of faith in that faith brings a person to come into the presence of God. Without faith, it is impossible to please him, for he that cometh to God must believe that he is. And there's the activity of faith. Prayer is a coming to God. And prayer is a response to the invitations that God has given in his word to seek the Lord. If you go back to the previous chapter, Hebrews chapter 10, and you find there in verse number 19, the Bible speaks, Hebrews 10, 19, having therefore, brethren, boldness to enter the holiest by the blood of Jesus, by a new and living way, which he hath consecrated for us through the veil, that is to say the flesh. Prayer is a coming before God. Prayer is an entering within the veil, coming before the mercy seat, coming before the throne of grace. And I wonder today, will we be active in our faith and employ faith and come before the throne of grace, the throne of God, and seek the face of God in prayer? If we need to open our Bibles again, maybe we need to open our lips again 
and seek the face of God in prayer personally. Set time aside each day to pray, to come before God in prayer and faith. And then maybe as in our homes and in our families to resurrect maybe a broken down altar, the altar of prayer. Or set time aside to get to some of the church prayer meetings. Might not be easy for you to get out on a Monday night or midweek. I understand that that can be difficult. But maybe set aside time to get into the place of prayer before one of the services on the Lord's Day. Or if there's a special season of prayer set apart, I'll try to get along to the place of prayer. And let's, let's pray because our church and our city and our community needs our prayers. Friends, there are people outside of these walls that are lost. And some are filled with despair. And they need people to pray for them that, that God will step into their lives and that they will come under the influence of the gospel and come to Christ and enter into newness of life. Our community needs our prayers. There are believers in our church that are no longer able to get out and they need our prayers. They're struggling with ill health and old age. And then there are others that are struggling with temptation and maybe have fallen by the wayside and they need our prayers. And there are unconverted people in their families and they need our prayers. Let's not be selfish with our prayers. But let's pray for others and ask God to come and to intervene and to step in. The activity of faith. Then as we think about the integrity of faith, there's also the actuality of faith. Faith is a real thing. Without faith it is impossible to please Him, for he that cometh to God must believe that He is. And there we have the object of faith. Remember the hymn writer said, My faith has found a resting place, not in device or creed. I trust the ever-living one, his wounds for me will plead. Hebrews talks about faith being like an anchor. But an anchor is worthless unless it is cast and rests itself in something. All an anchor will do is weigh down the ship. But if the anchor is cast and grounded firm and deep in a rock which cannot move, then an anchor is a very useful thing. The anchor that Hebrews speaks about is faith, and the resting place for that anchor is our God, and especially the Son of God who died in a cross for our sins. The actuality of faith. Faith needs to have an object. And you'll notice that the author of the book of Hebrews speaks about faith in God's existence. He that cometh to God must believe that He is. That is, that God is, that God is real, that God exists, that God is the everlasting Creator God. Now, I believe that God has put His fingerprints on all of creation. Psalm 19, the heavens declare the glory of God. The firmament showeth His handiwork day unto day uttereth speech. Night unto night showeth knowledge. Their line is gone out through the whole earth. And there's not a speech or a language where their voice is not heard. God's fingerprints are everywhere. Albert Einstein once said, The more I study science, the more I believe in God. Now there's a school of 
study that is known as apologetics. And it has become very popular in the church of Jesus Christ, whereby intelligent men who believe the Word of God will dip in and out of science, whether it's the human body or whether it's astronomy, and, and they'll, they'll seek to prove the existence of God by going into the scientific world. Now, I'm all on for apologetics. I believe it has its place. But I can't help but wonder, does the church try to prove the existence of God to a lost world? Because whenever the lost world looks at the church, it doesn't see much evidence that our God is real. Maybe if the world saw the reality of God in us, living a Christ-exalting life, we wouldn't try to need to prove the existence of God outside of the Bible or outside of the church. Maybe that's why we need so much apologetics. But the truth of the matter is, dear friends, the world by wisdom knew not God. We accept the reality of God's existence. There's evidence for it, yes, the Bible here says in verse number one that faith is good substance and there's evidence for faith. But at the end of the day, we must accept the reality of God by faith and trust Him. Faith in God's existence, but also faith in God's benevolence. He is a rewarder of them that diligently seek Him. Dear friends today, do we believe that our God is good? Do we believe this morning that our God is kind and gracious? Jerry Bridges once said, God's goodness is the preeminent expression of His glory. We have a God this morning who's good. We don't have to try to appease His wrath. The Son of God has done that for us already upon a cross. Our God is good. That's why the Bible says, taste and see that God is good. The prophet Nahum said, The Lord is good, a stronghold in the day of trouble, and He knoweth them that trust in Him. God's goodness was expressed primarily in the giving of His Son. He that spared not His own Son, Romans says, but delivered Him up for us all. How shall He not with Him also freely give us all things? And if God has been so kind and loving and gracious and benevolent and good in sending His Son to be our Savior, to live for us, to die for us, to rise again for us, to enter into heaven and pray for us and provide for us and keep us and one day to come again for us and bring us into His immediate presence. Can we not trust God to answer our prayers whenever we've got needs and desires and burdens? God is good. The indispensability of faith the integrity of faith. One last thought, and we're finished. The investment of faith. Faith is an investment. Whenever a believer not only prays, but more than that, trusts God to answer their prayers, it's an investment. God promises to honor faith. It simply says in her text, that He is a rewarder. There's the rewarder of faith. God is a rewarder. This world will not reward you for your faith. Many believers will not commend you or pat you on your back for your faith or for your prayers. But God is a rewarder. He rewards faith. 
He doesn't reward unbelief. He rewards faith. He has got the authority to do so because our God is sovereign. He that cometh to God must believe that He is. He is God, in other words. And if He is God and He is God, then He is absolutely sovereign and He's got the authority to bless. Not only does God have the authority to bless, but God has got the ability to bless. He's almighty. Verse 3 says, The worlds or the ages, the universe was framed by the Word of God. Emphasis again on the Word. In the beginning, God said, And the worlds were framed by the Word of God. So things which are made, were, things which are seen, were not made of things which do appear. God has got the ability to bless us and the authority to bless us. Nothing with God shall be impossible. Corey Ten Boom once said, God raises the level of impossibility. What a statement. God raises the level of the impossible. Nothing is too hard for our God. God is able to reward us because of His authority, because of His ability, and also because of His agreeability. He wants to bless His people. And He throws out the challenge in Hebrews 4, come boldly before the throne of grace and obtain or receive mercy and grace, blessings all mine and 10,000 beside. And a text like this shows us the willingness of our God to bless, that He's got the authority to bless, the ability to bless, and also the agreeability or the willingness to bless His people. Charles Haddon Spurgeon said, The treasury of the church is the liberality of God. The treasury of the church is the liberality of God. We might sometimes be like old Mother Hubbard, and we look to our own resources, and we open the doors, and there's nothing there. But maybe we need to lift our eyes higher to the storehouse of God's grace and realize that whatever this year holds, whatever I experience, whatever my needs are, the liberality of God, that heaven is opened. There's a veil that has been rent. And I can come within that rent veil through the person and work of my Redeemer and kneel down at the throne of grace and approach the Almighty God of heaven as my Father. And my Savior said, If ye then, being evil, know how to give good gifts unto your children, how much more shall your Father in heaven give good things to them that ask? The rewarder is our God. The recipient, it speaks off at the end of the verse, He is a rewarder of who? Of them that diligently seek Him. Not all will receive. James speaks about those who have not because they ask not. They don't pray. And then others who ask but do not receive because they ask with the wrong motive. They ask amiss that they may consume it upon their own lusts. But the people spoken of here are those who respond. This is what God says in His Word. These are what my needs are, and this is what the will of God is, and therefore I come and I, I pray accordingly. Those that are spoken of here are a purchased people. Those who have exercised faith in God to begin with and have been redeemed by the blood of the Lord Jesus Christ. 
God's people should be a praying people. Salvation should be evidenced in supplication. Mr. Spurgeon once said, God has no dumb children. All of his children talk to him. That's seen in Saul. Do you remember whenever Saul was converted in the road to Damascus? And Ananias was a little bit skeptical of his conversion. The Lord says, behold, he prayeth. Saul is now a praying man. He, he said prayers before, but now he's praying. He's really seeking my face. And that's evidence of a, a man born again of the Spirit of God. We receive the Spirit of adoption, whereby we cry, Abba, Father. Purchase people. Therefore, a praying people, them that seek him. He is a rewarder of them that, that seek him. True faith is evidenced in effectual and fervent praying. E.M. Bounds is a man who wrote very prolifically on the subject of prayer, several books on the subject. E.M. Bounds once said, when faith ceases to pray, it ceases to live. When faith ceases to pray, it ceases to live. The Word of God fuels our faith. Prayer exercises our faith. And if somebody wants to grow and develop physically, they need to eat and they need to exercise. And so it is with faith. Faith needs to feed upon the facts. And that faith needs to exercise itself in prayer. And effectual exercise involves resistance. A runner, whenever they are running and they get tired and their legs get weary, they need to run on and resist the tiredness of the body that they might progress. Somebody who lifts weights needs to have resistance and their muscles need to be resisted as they lift weights in order to grow. And so it is with faith. Faith is often resisted, isn't it? Whenever we pray, there's a voice of unbelief and the enemy comes in and our faith gets resisted. And then we go out into the world and we look for answers to prayer. And maybe it seems that the answers aren't forthcoming. That's all natural. In the process of growing in grace, faith gets resisted. Those who receive are those who are a purchased people, those who are a praying people. And you'll notice one final thought, those who are a persistent people. He is a rewarder of them that diligently seek him. Old saints of God used to talk about praying through. Like Jacob who said, I will not let thee go except thou bless me. Or the importunate widow that we read about in Luke 18 who went before that unjust judge and wouldn't let him sleep. Day and night she tormented the life out of him. And he says, I'll go, I'm going to avenge this woman because of her continual coming, she's starting to weary me. And the Lord Jesus says, Shall not God avenge his own elect who cry unto him day and night, though he bear long with them? Or what about the friend at midnight who went to his neighbor and knocked and rattled the door until his neighbor got up and gave him a couple of loaves that he might feed his friend? says, it's inconvenient. I've got into bed. My children are in bed. The doors are shut. I'm not getting up. And he knocks and he knocks and he knocks and he knocks. And that's what the Lord says. Ask, seek, and knock. And the verbs ask, seek, and knock mean to go on asking, go on seeking, and go on knocking. And at last you get the answer. Some of you, whenever you were young, you might have played that game. Maybe it wasn't a game at all. It's probably just annoying. You know, whenever you Maybe you didn't do it, but some of us, I'm sure, did. You went to your neighbor's house, 
and you rang the doorbell and then you ran away and hid behind a hedge or a bush and you looked at your neighbor so stupid coming and answering the door and nobody there. And then they went back and you waited a few moments more and you knocked the door again or rang the bell again. And this went on till at last they didn't answer the door at all. And sometimes whenever it comes to prayer, we're like that little boy who, who knocks the door and then runs away before we get the answer. I believe the Lord wants us to wait and wait and wait until at last he answers prayer. He is a rewarder of them that diligently seek him. A people who are willing to take a verse like this, take it to heart and say, Lord, I'm trusting you for answers. I'm going to believe you for a better day. I'm going to trust you for blessings. I'm going to claim this promise. I'm going to accept it. I'm going to stand upon it. I'm going to plead it. And let's trust God to bless us and to turn things around. Man of God in the States who's been a tremendous blessing to many people, Harold Vaughan. I heard him preach many years ago at a, at a Christian convention. We've had the privilege of meeting him on occasion. He put out a little article last year, round about the same time he was out walking the dog that night and this verse of Scripture came to heart. And it was an article, and it began with a young man writing a letter to him and saying, our church is traditional, and we are not going to grow. That was his mentality. This young man, our church is traditional, and it's not going to grow. Mr. Vaughan says, by giving in to what seemed inevitable, he had given up on his future. Words like that become self fulfilling prophecies. Shepherds who make such statements have resigned their leadership, content to ride the ship down until it sinks. These churches are not dying. They are already dead. Without faith, it is impossible to please God, and all things are possible to those that believe. Is there hope? Are we doomed to a supposed God-ordained, led a sane apostasy? Is God to blame for all this, or is there a way out? I believe there is hope for all who will humble themselves and turn from their unbelief and become teachable. It is not enough to recognize the problem. There must be a willingness to renounce defeatism and adapt according to the Spirit's leading. Our Lord issued an invitation, come and learn of me, for I am meek and lowly in heart. Only the teachable can be taught, only the leadable can be led, and only the obedient can receive instruction. Your current plight need not be permanent. You can be healed from the death gargle of defeatism and defensiveness. And this begins with a renewed mind. There is help, hope, and health for all who are willing to humble themselves before the Lord. We don't need pity or new methods. We just need, need the meek and humble Christ to teach us and guide us. Unbelief leads to oblivion. Immediately reject a mentality of defeat. Cry out to God in self-surrender and desperation. In childlike faith, trust God and proceed as instructed. Wisdom is available for the remainder of our journey. Let's cease looking to men and let's look to the Lord.
Have we given ourselves, friends, over to a spirit of defeatism? Or do we really believe that God is who He says He is, that He is, and that He is a rewarder of them that diligently seek Him? May God bless His Word to our hearts this morning.